Good morning, church. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Let's pray before we begin. Heavenly Father, for this day, we're so grateful to you. We ask that uh, we come here with hearts that are pure, that are focused on you, uh, with our offering of praise and our offering of thanks. Lord, we want to enter these gates with thanksgiving and praise. We want that to be uh, our motive. We want that to be where our eyes are focused is on you. We want to remember who you are, and we want to remember who you say we are. And so, Lord, we are grateful for your love, and we're grateful for your mercy, and we're grateful that you've made us new and that we're new creations in you. Lord, for those that are guests with us today, Lord, we ask that you would bless them. Let them see the love of Christ that is shared through people here that love you and love each other. Uh, Lord, I ask that you would give me the gift uh, of preaching today, that you would uh, speak through my brokenness to the souls of those who need to hear your message. Lord, we also ask today that you would be with Southern Oaks Baptist Church. Lord, we're grateful for their partnership in ministry here in this town, that they also proclaim the name of Jesus, that they lift him up, that they seek to honor you, that they're spreading the truth through actions and through words. And Lord, we ask that you would bless them this morning and that you would give them an anointing to go out and share the gospel with others. We ask the same for us. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Okay, so we have been on a journey as a church uh, to uh, seek God's will for us, where we're going. Uh, we call it seeking his way. This is uh, our desire to follow the Lord, uh, to be a church that is led by him and not by our own desires. And so we have spent quite a bit of time here recently uh, on that, trying to figure out how is the way that we can listen to the Lord. And we're going to listen to each other, and we're going to listen to Scripture. We're going to listen to the Holy Spirit. Uh, last week, we got to listen uh, to uh, a guest preacher who was from outside our congregation to come in and bless us. Uh, and that was a real blessing for me. I hope it was for you, too, to have uh, David Danielson here speaking those words of truth and encouragement, uh, reminding us that what we do here in this town with God's leading affects the whole kingdom. And so we're grateful for his prayer, and we're grateful uh, that his church uh, has committed to keep praying for us while we seek the Lord. With that, uh, we want to be a people filled with the Holy Spirit. So we're, we're diving into the Holy Spirit. How does the Holy Spirit talk to us? How does the Holy Spirit guide us? We want to be people that are filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so we're going to continue on with that time of being filled with the Spirit, listening to the Spirit. But with that... One of the things that we're doing first is we're coming to understand that there's an opposing force to us hearing the Spirit and guiding the Spirit. There's, a, there's a, an opposite uh, action and a power that is trying to keep us from following the Spirit, and that's our flesh. And there are scriptures where we start talking about going, the word of the flesh is different than the word of the Spirit. And so the biggest enemy we have during this time for us following God is the voice of the flesh. As a matter of fact, if you were to go and look at all these churches that are having a hard time and maybe uh, falling apart and there's division and there's strife or maybe there's even a problem with the, uh, the, the uh, pastor failing in some way and having uh, this, this uh, secret enmity that's in the church, all of this comes from the voice of the flesh. So we, what we want to do is we want to be a people who say, we understand that we want to be filled with the Spirit, but the only way to do that is for us to lay down the voice of the flesh. For us to be able to recognize it and put it aside. Even more than that, for us to be able to kill it. 
to take it and destroy it in some way. And so that's what we've been talking about. We're going to be beginning soon to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. There's this great scripture in Galatians where it talks about this is the fruit of those who walk in the Spirit. This is what comes out in us. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We want to be those people. But before Paul talks about that, he says, you need to know there's acts of the flesh. And this is what they look like. And so that's where we're going to be today. We're going to be in Galatians 5. Before we get to the fruit of the Spirit, we are going to be talking about the works of the flesh to make sure that we can recognize it, make sure that we know it when we see it, to make sure that we are not a church that is led by the flesh but instead by the Spirit. A couple of weeks ago, I started talking about this, and if you recall, we were in Romans with Paul again, chapter 7 and chapter 8. And the whole point of that with Paul was he's trying to get us to understand is to go, if you're trying to find your salvation in the flesh, you need to know that is your enemy. Even the way that he talked about it, right? In, in chapter 7, one of the things that he said is, Paul, who's this, this a titan in our faith, said, look, here's the deal. When I try and do what I want to do, I don't do it. And when I try not to do the things I'm not supposed to do, I do it. He even calls himself, I'm this wretched man. Who's going to save me? It's hopeless in my own flesh for me to be able to find salvation. But then in chapter 8, he comes back through and he says, but there's this other thing. There's a life in the Spirit. And a life in the Spirit has life. And a life in the flesh has death. And a life in the Spirit relies on what God has done. As a matter of fact, it even starts out with the idea of going, you need to know you can't be separated from the love of God. That this is what will happen. There's no condemnation for us. There's no separation for us. And that has to do with the salvation and the way that that works and the, the opposing forces of flesh and spirit. Today, what we're going to be in Galatians, he's going to talk about the opposing forces of the flesh and spirit. But here's the way he talks about them. He said, you need to be aware that even after you have found the grace of Christ, even after you've been set free from a legalistic viewpoint of salvation, from a works-based salvation, once you have found that Jesus' burden is light and his yoke is easy, once you have found this grace and you found this freedom, you still need to be aware that the deeds of the flesh can jump up and get you. It's still something that we will have to battle once you discover even that the works of the flesh can't disqualify you or qualify you to be in right standing with God, that's what Paul was talking about in Romans, you still have to be wary of the voice of the flesh. And so that's where we're going to be today. Galatians 5, 16 through 21. Here's our scripture today. And by the way, dealing with the flesh and the spirit, my flesh is weak. I got to where I can't read this anymore up here without my glasses. So I'm just giving in to that. So here we go. <laughs> Join the crowd. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the desire of the flesh is against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. These are in opposition to one another in order to keep you from doing whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are sexual immorality, impurity, Indecent behavior, idolatry, witchcraft, hostilities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. 
of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you. But those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's the word of the Lord. Let me tell you, it's an interesting thing to read these out and the way that we approach those. But one of the things that he's making a point is, is you need to know these are opposites. These are two different ways of living. You can live by the flesh, you can live by the spirit. And you need to know they are not the same thing. As a matter of fact, he says they're against one another. And so you have to be able to recognize that. And then he says something that I find real interesting. He says they're evident. The works of the flesh are evident. And I don't know that that tells the whole story. That the works of the flesh are obvious, they're in the light, you can see them, they're evident. I don't know that that tells the whole story of things for us because some of those are not as evident as others are. And who are they evident to? That's an interesting thing. The works of the flesh are evident. You can just see them. Well, what exactly does that mean? Some of those, when you look at those, you can look and say, some of those are very evident to us. If I'm participating in them, I am very aware that I'm participating in them, but I hide them from you. I hide those things from you. So they're not evident to you. They're evident to me when I participate in those. But then there's some that when I participate in them, they're not evident to me at all. But you can see them in me. And those are some of the things that we're going to talk about today because they can be a little bit sneaky. For instance, there are different types of mistakes, right? The other night I went to dinner with uh, Melissa and we went to a Mexican food place and I got a big scoop full of chip and salsa and I brought it up and I spilled the salsa all down my shirt, just all, all down here. It was very evident to me what I had done. I could see it. It was very clear. Had me doing that where you dip your napkin in the cup and you're trying to wipe it out and it just turns into a huge mess. That's one way, and that's evident to me when I've messed up that way. Then there's other times where i got a piece of spinach right here between my teeth, and I don't know that at all, but you do, (laughs) right? That's the one where I actually need a reflection. I need some help. I need to be able to see myself in a certain way, or I need somebody to help point it out to me because I'm not going to see that the way that I do when I spill the salsa all over me. There are some things that are very evident to us and some things that aren't. The first five of those that are listed in the last two can be very evident to us when we're engaged in them. Sexual immorality and impurity and indecent behavior, idolatry, witchcraft, drunkenness, carousing. You usually know when you're involved in those things. That's something that's evident to you. But usually we try to keep those secret from other folks. And they may not see it as evident. But then there's others. There's these middle eight Hostilities, strife, jealousy, and outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy. When we're involved in those, we usually don't know. As a matter of fact, when I read those out, I doubt there are any of you that went, oh, that's me. That's who I am. I'm the guy that has hostility, strife, jealousy. I have outbursts of anger. I have selfish ambition, dissensions, factions. I, I, I have all of that. These are the things that we rarely know about. Those first ones, when we think about those sins, the sexual immorality, the, the, the witchcraft that it talks those are the things that consume us. They can take over our lives, and I do not want to make light of that. Those are serious things that can come and take over our lives and consume us in some way. But these middle eight are the ones that I want to talk about because these are the ways we consume. We consume others. These are the ways that we bite and devour one another. 
I don't know if you know a lot of these, but just to give you a little idea, if you look at some of them, you go, some of these sound like Bible words I'm not sure about. Hostilities. If you're hostile, it's, it's when you make yourself opposed to others. You make others an enemy. Strife is about being bitter and disagreeable. Dissensions is setting myself up in opposition to you, making myself your enemy. And factions is where I'll start gathering support in my dissension to make a group of people who can be an enemy. These are the ones that make us difficult, angry, disagreeable, selfish people, and rarely do we know when those things have a hold on us. We don't usually see those in ourselves. That's that spinach between your teeth that you don't see, but everybody else can. We usually need help to find them, and they can be here in our churches. And it's important that we learn to recognize those. And here's the interesting thing about the way that Paul describes this. Is it's not just that this does damage to us, but he frames even these in a way of going, do you know what you do to one another when you fall prey to the deeds of the flesh? If we go to the verses right before this one, so right when he says this is the works of the flesh, let me tell you how he sets this up. He tells you what happens if we give in to these. This is 5, 13 through 15. For you are called to freedom, brothers and sisters, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and if you devour one another, take care that you're not consumed by one another. This framework that he gives us of the work of the flesh in this way, he's saying, I want to make sure that you understand this isn't just about you. This is about what we do to each other. It's about the harm that we can cause one another. So that's why I'm framing this around the idea of love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, if you consume each other, if you see each other as just something to get out of them, that their value is based in what I can get out of you, then you need to know we will consume each other. And that will not be walking by the Spirit. It makes sense when you start thinking of these. Even the sexual sins really have to do with us satisfying our own needs, really at the cost of somebody else. That's why pornography is such a difficult and horrible thing. The idea that we think, well, I'm only doing this to myself, but really what's happening is I've taken a creation and a person from God, and I've basically made them just what I can get out of seeing them. They are for my purposes to be devoured such a difficult thing. We talk about the appetites of the flesh, and that's one of the things about the flesh is it has an appetite. It, des it desires and demands that it be fed constantly to consume. And then you have Paul going, I'm going to give you a warning. If you continue to harm and exploit one another, you need to watch out or you will all be consumed by each other. So strong word for the church. Flesh versus spirit, you need to know they have very different purposes and missions. You can live by the spirit, which means you are going to love your neighbor as yourself. That will require you to sacrifice. You will sacrifice for one another. Or what you can do is you can live by the flesh. And that means that you will exploit one another. You'll consume each other. And what you'll do is take what you want from them, and then you'll cast them aside. It will place their value on others. It frames your value in the way that you see other people. Either they're worth sacrificing for or they're for using and tossing aside. Working by the flesh 
And walking by the flesh is all about what I desire, where the Spirit looks at what God desires. The Spirit will lead you into the mission of God. That is the Holy Spirit's job. It talks different than the flesh does. And it's important for us to be able to recognize that. And so we're going to talk a little bit today about how you can see the words of the flesh versus the words of the Spirit. Let me tell you, one of the, the most awful things about how the voice of the flesh and walking in the flesh works is it usually uses those who have been devoured, those who have been abused, those who have been bitten to do the same thing to other people. It finds those that have been hurt, and it takes that hurt and it magnifies it in such a way that we begin to listen to the flesh. See, the flesh is sneaky in the way that it works. It doesn't just come up and say, hey, I tell you what, let's do this. Let's be an enemy of the Spirit, and let's sow discord, and let's form factions, and let's be jealous, and let's be disunifying. It doesn't do that. It's smarter than that. That's why nobody thinks that they're ever involved in any of that. What it does instead is it takes your hurt from the past, takes the way that you've been bitten, takes the slights and the offenses that you've had, and then it feeds them to where they become resentment and then we become anger. They're led by shame and they're led by fear. And then we begin to devour one another. can even take my own sense of right and wrong, and that's one of the ways that the word, the word of the flesh will come to you. It'll take your sense of right and wrong. and It'll say, you need to make this right. You've been harmed and you need to go and make this right. And then I get to this place where I go, my sense of right and wrong, of fairness, of what's justice, that's what I'm going to make happen. And you need to know, my sense and your sense of what is fair and right and justice is the work of the flesh. My sense is the work of the flesh. It gets us to the point where we even begin to think that satisfying my fleshly desire for justice and righteousness is the way to make his kingdom come and his will be done. I'll put my lens of what's right and wrong and the way that I've been approached and the way that I've been harmed, and that is what will make God's way. You know, it's, i got to tell you, it's, it's really interesting to be talking about this right now with what's going on in the Middle East. This idea that you have these two groups who both claim that they are God's favored people, who both claim that they've been harmed in some way, and because they've been harmed, then they can justify acts against one another that God would not justify. I take my own sense of what's right and what's wrong, and through that, I will act. And then what happens is you look over there and you find groups of people devouring one another. They're consuming each other and the area. And the innocent people around there are the ones that are getting consumed more than anything. But it's this idea I've been wronged, and because I've been wronged, it's okay for me to respond in the flesh to do what I feel is right. I'll give you an example of what that looks like in a, in a much easier, nonviolent way, but uh, I think very clear way. I don't know, any of y'all seen the, the movie Seabiscuit? I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's a great movie. It's a, based on a true story about that horse, Seabiscuit. And one of the things that's really neat is they find this horse, and then they're looking for a jockey. And so they find a jockey, and his name is Red Pollard. And they find Red as an adult, and he's kind of big for a jockey, but he's the guy that gets along with the horse. But they find him at a time where he's a brawling, alcoholic, anger-filled man, just filled with bitterness in every way. And you come to find out the reason is because as a young man, he was abandoned by his family. He has real hurt 
real pain, okay, that has happened to him. But it's changed who he is. And then he gets in the spot where they have him on this horse that is this amazing horse. And one of the first races that he goes on, they come to him and they go, we got a plan. Here's the plan. Stay with the group. And then towards the end, then you sprint. Because if you don't, if you sprint from the beginning, you need to know we'll lose this race. And our goal and our mission is to make sure that we run the right race and that we win this race. And then this is what happens in his first race. Hey, Sahib. Kind of small, isn't he? Gonna look a lot smaller in a second, Georgie. You got five bucks, says he doesn't. Thinking. He fouled me. What am I supposed to do? Let him get away with that? Well, yeah. When he's 40 to 1. He almost put me in the rail. Well, did he? Look, we had a plan. He fouled me, Tom. What am I supposed to do? He cut me off. He fouled me! Son. Son. What are you so mad at? You see the pain that he has there. He had this idea. I've got this mission. I'm going to win this race. And in the midst of it, I've been harmed. And what it did was it brought up every bit of injustice that I've ever felt in any way. And I'm going to make it right. And so what he did was he fell to the flesh in that to go, I'm going to make this right. I'm going to make this evil, even. I'm going to use my own sense of justice. And so what he ends up doing is trying to put that guy back into the rail because that's what seems to be justice. And he forgets the mission. This wasn't about that. You're trying to win a race. You're trying to come in first with your horse and could have. But instead what happened is this falling to the flesh led him to a spot where he lost the race, forgot the plan, he forget what he was trying to do. You can see that in him. I got fouled. You don't understand I've been wronged. And when I've been wronged, all bets are off. I've got to make it right. 
That's what the flesh speaks to us. And you need to know, we are susceptible to it in the church and Christians. We know that our hearts can be turned into works of the flesh because we realize that the wounds of the flesh usually go deeper than just the flesh. They are things that can hang on to us for a long time. Harm that has come to us from the past, the way that we've been wronged. It's the sort of thing that can make us hold grudges against one another in the church. We get in this spot where we're hoping that our brother or sister finally gets what they deserve, that there's some satisfaction that comes when my sense of justice, my sense of fairness can come. And what it does is it leads us to devouring one another. We take bites out of each other. Family devouring each other. I saw it just this past week. I was talking to a young couple, this young man early in his 20s, and he just got married. And his grandmother just passed away, and she has the inheritance. Maybe you've seen this before. His mother and that generation of uncles and the aunts are devouring each other over the inheritance. Saying things like, I'll never speak to them again. I never want to see them again. We're never going to talk again. They're devouring each other over the inheritance that's coming from that. Meanwhile, what you have is that next generation, this grandchild sitting there going, stop, would you stop? You're tearing our family apart. Our family's being devoured by this sense of right and justice that each one of these uncles and aunts and mothers has. I have every right to do this. This is my sense of justice. This is my sense of fair play. And that's how the flesh talks to us. And what happens is we can start to look at people from the idea of going, as long as you give me what I need and you feel my desires, you have value. And when you don't, I will cast you aside and I want to have nothing more to do with you. Your value is, as a person is based on what you provide for me. And man, it can hit the church. I remember being uh, a young couple when Melissa and I, way back in the day, and we were up in the Dallas area, and we were going to a church, and we just started visiting his church, and we met some of the elders, and we met some of the people. We loved all these people, and we go, this is a wonderful place. And then on a Wednesday night, right after church, I went to a grocery store, and right in front of me was one of the elders from the church berating a cashier. I mean, just tearing her up. And I remember sitting there and watching that and going, what are you doing? You who claim to be a shepherd of God's people, a lover of people, one on a mission to win people for Christ, and you've forgotten what race you're in. And instead, you're trying to make sure that she did something wrong, and so she pays for it. And he actually even turned around and said something to us. You know, when people act like this, you just got to let them have it. And I remember thinking, oh my goodness, what has happened? What are you doing? And over the years, I've seen God's people, and maybe you have too. Consume, eat up, cast people aside. Cashiers, customer service people, teachers, just get consumed and eaten up. Coaches, referees, right? What if we rewrote the scripture of Galatians and it looks like this? The deeds of the flesh are evident. They are when you're being hostile with customer service. When you cause strife at your kid's sporting event, having outbursts of anger in a teacher's conference, causing dissension, which is quarreling or causing discord with church leaders, building factions, which is gathering and organizing a dissenting group in the church. I have forewarned you 
that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. It means a whole different thing, doesn't it? That's a scary sort of thing. Because most of us don't feel like we do any of that, and yet it happens sometimes in the church. You need to know that claim there at the end of will not inherit the kingdom of God, that is not about you losing your salvation through making a mistake. Because we've all been guilty of these things. What it talks about is you will not inherit the kingdom of God. You are not in the kingdom of God when you're doing that. You're not seeing the benefit of the kingdom of God. You're not living out the kingdom of God. That's not what his kingdom looks like. You're not experiencing the benefit of the kingdom of God when you were doing those things. So how do we become ones who devour each other? Let me show you something. Simple object lesson here, right? What is this? This is a spoon. That's right. And what's it used for? Just give me an idea. What would you do with this? Cereal? Somebody says cereal, soup, chili. This is the way that I feed myself, right? What is this? It's a spoon, right? This is a spoon. And this is a spoon. This is the way I feed myself. What kind of spoon is this? This is a serving spoon. It's a different spoon. One of these I use to consume. I make sure that I fill myself with it. It's the thing that I make sure that I feed with. This other one has the idea that I have a whole bunch. My job is to actually serve that. It gets doled out from me. One is about things coming to me. One is about things going out from me. These are the difference in those, right? Because the flesh's mission is to satisfy its appetites. If I were to be over here and we had one of our buffets or, uh, or uh, dinner on the grounds and, and everybody brought food and I just walked around with my spoon and just took a little bit out of everybody's and kind of ate it, you would look at me and think I was nuts. It kind of gross you out. And the other thing is to go, man, the guy's got a problem. All he's concerned about is making sure that he gets what he wants. But you need to understand the Spirit's mission is different. It's to expand the kingdom. And sometimes we forget which one we are. As a matter of fact, sometimes we forget that once you belong to Christ, once you have received the new life and you've been remade, you are not the focus of the mission anymore. You're part of the mission. It's a different thing. Your whole goal is not about feeding yourself anymore. You need to know that's not how the Spirit talks to you. If you come in here and the Spirit's going, get what you want, make sure that you like it, make sure that it fits you, make sure that you get fed a whole bunch, that's not the Spirit, brother. It's not. It's the flesh. It's a whole different way of us approaching things. We are not people who devour anymore. That's not who we are. You think about that, you know, the, the appetites that we have. Even the first sin was about Adam and Eve devouring more than they were supposed to. Feeling like it's not enough. I need to continue to feed myself. I need to put more in because I'm not complete and I'm not full. And the Spirit of God says you have everything you need. It doesn't mean that you don't continue to learn. It doesn't mean that we're not here to encourage one another. But the idea of going, I must continue to feed myself, I think is a flaw that we have, and it puts us in the wrong mindset. It makes us walk in with this, walking around going, what can I eat? What do I like? And it turns into, not only do I need to feed myself, I want to feed myself what I want, when I want, and the way that I want. And then that's the flesh. 
That is not who we are because this one, when you get the idea of I've been filled with the Spirit, I have everything that I need. I've been justified before God. I'm being made into a new creation. I am not what I used to be. I come here to serve. I have something to give to this place. I have power through the Holy Spirit to bear witness, to give testimony, to encourage, to lift up. That's the difference in this because the flesh is never satisfied but the spirit says you have everything that you need and as a matter of fact we sometimes get confused with that is to go i'll judge the church based on how well it feeds me well you need to know that's really not scriptural okay that is just works out of the flesh as a matter of fact the guy that we follow being like jesus if you want to be like him look in john 4 34 this is what jesus says my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. That's the food of Jesus. That should be our food. It's not about you continuing to be served. It's not about you coming in looking for what can I get out of this. It leads to people saying things like, well, maybe I'll come to this class. I don't know. That's not my favorite teacher. That's not my favorite subject. I don't know what I can get out of that. I'm out. You need to know how necessary you are to the body of Christ. God has put something inside of you. And while you may come and go, I'm an expert on 1 Corinthians and there's nothing else that I can learn from it. Not everybody is. And the weight of your presence and your testimony and the Holy Spirit acting within you will do some things that you cannot even imagine. That's how the Spirit works. Through things beyond what we can think of. That idea of going, I don't like, or I'm not going to do, and this is not what's good for me, and I don't, that's a critical spirit that has the idea of, I come in here to get what I'd like to eat, and when I leave, I'll tell you how the meal was. The spirit didn't tell you that. That came from the flesh. Okay? It presumes that we are the focus of the mission instead of being part of the mission. It presumes that the Holy Spirit is only active when I'm being fed what I want, and it presumes that I don't have anything to contribute or to add, and that my presence is insignificant when it is not. You are embodied with the Holy Spirit, and you have the power to change things around you. Here's another way. When we listen to the flesh, what we do to one another, it causes us to demand agreement over understanding. From each other. The idea that our unity and what we can do with each other and the way that I picture you is to go, if you will agree with me on this, whether it's political, whether it's doctrinal, whether it's practices, whatever it is, if you will agree with me, then I can use you. If you don't, I'm kind of done with you. Instead of going, can I understand the other person? Can I love them? One of those requires agreement. That requires you to come over here where I am. It costs me nothing. And it puts a value on you only based on how you agree with me. The other one, understanding, requires that I love and that I sacrifice and that I come to you and I love you despite the fact that we may have a problem in some area of disagreement. To demand agreement over understanding those are the words of the flesh. That doesn't come from the Spirit. We want to learn to recognize those thoughts. So how do we do this? How do we overcome this? We have this, this voice of the flesh that comes to us. How do we deal with this? Well, it comes in Galatians 5.24. This is right after our first scripture. This is what it says. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. 
If we live by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit as well. Let's not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. See how it ends again? How we treat each other will determine this. You will be able to see it the way that we love each other instead of envying and challenging one another. I know this has been hard. I'm sorry. Sometimes we got to say hard stuff. But let me tell you the good news. The good news is right here. It's the gospel of Christ. It says that because of the blood of Christ, we can put to death the flesh. That is not who we are anymore. As a matter of fact, one of the neatest things about this is while we walk around and the voice of flesh tells us to consume one another and devour one another, we had somebody come who never was outside the will of God who goes, if you have to devour somebody, you devour me. You consume me. You bite me. I will take my life and I'll put it on the cross to make sure that you are neither devoured nor will you devour others. You will not be consumed by this world. I will make sure of it. And so for, for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, it is the blood of Christ that changed everything. We don't have to live by the flesh anymore. We are people of the Spirit. We have a new creation. We are different people. And the best way to remember that and the best way to make sure you're listening to the Spirit over the flesh, remember your baptism. For those of you that belong to Christ, remember your baptism. What died and what went away. And remember what's still there. Remember how you were changed. Remember the sacrifice of Christ. Remember how we're new people now. We don't devour. Instead, we are filled with the Holy Spirit to fulfill the mission that God's put on us. Remember your baptism. That's the good news. Jesus made all of this right. Let us be a people who walk in the Spirit, remembering the mission that we have, that we remember that Christ put to death the flesh on the cross so that we no longer have to live that way. If you would stand with me, we're going to close out in prayer today. If you would like to come pray with an elder or a minister about anything, it can be anything at all. If you've got something going on in your life and you want to pray about it, you've got a praise, if you've got a request, uh, if you want to, uh, uh, if you're, you're asking the Holy Spirit to guide you in some ways, if you just need to ask for forgiveness in some way, any of those things, we ask you to come and pray with us while we sing these next few songs. Let's pray right now. Holy God, we thank you so much for how we are new creations. Lord, we do ask, make us a people, make us a church that does not listen to the flesh, but instead all we listen to is the Spirit, that we recognize your voice. It's your voice that calls and says, you, we have been filled with your Spirit. We need not fear serving. We need not fear giving. We need not fear sacrificing. We will always be filled right back up with the Spirit. Lord, let us not be people who seek to consume each other or those out in this world, but instead we see the value in every single person, realizing that you have made them as part of your mission. Let us uh, treat them that way, seeing their value. Give us that lens to look through the Spirit. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray all this. Amen.